begins game one, Stanley Cup final between the Abs and the Bolts. What's the date again, guys? June 15th. Are we nuts? <laughs> we'll take it though, right, yeah. JV? It's it's a J month. That's all I know. We're somewhere deep in the summer. <laughs> They're still playing hockey. It's too late. Josh Santos yeah, on it- tech. Also in the equation here for the next hour, Sammy McKee. Sammy, you're okay. You'd have hockey 12 months a year, wouldn't you? False. False. (laughs) Oh, you're not that much of a super fan? No, it's very, very weird to have the final starting as the NBA final is dwindling down. Like the NBA finals heading to game six tomorrow night. Um with the chance for the Warriors to win, and the Stanley Cup Final hasn't even started yet. Very weird. I, I my, my sports clock is all off. I think in an ideal world, you'd want the Stanley Cup Final be done by now, right? Like right Man, now, finishing. Oh, I- for sure. In an ideal world, you'd start the season in September. Like, everyone's going back to school. The leaves start to turn. Like, that's hockey season to me underway. I don't understand why we start in, you know, first week of October or whatever it is. Start the whole thing earlier. Be done by I- June. I got a few messages yesterday saying you did your show yesterday and you didn't acknowledge your 28th uh, anniversary of winning the cup June 14th, 1994. And oh, I'm like, boy. Well, I don't like to live in the past, you know. <laughs> <laughs> except, except when it gets me a, a free trip to yeah. New York City. <laughs> then yeah, I'll melt cash it. Cash in when you need to, exactly. Pick yeah. your spots. But, That's great. But 28 years ago yesterday, we went to June 14th. That was, at that time, unheard of. Why was that? Just, why was it so late? I I don't know, to be honest with you. There was no, no, uh, 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 no lockout, no uh, virus. I have no idea why it ended up so late. Yeah. Well, I guess it, it, I guess it is, typically ends in June. That's the way it is. But in, in the eighties, I think in um, it was May seventeenth, May eighteenth. It was kind of pushing. But now we're talking. No time did we ever flirt with uh, a J in in uh, in the calendar. Well, we're yeah, we're we're flirting with July here. By the time we're all said and done, I guess if you're in the business of creating content about the sport, uh, not going to complain about the short summer, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. Well, when, we're when glad. When did last year go to? When did last year go yeah, to? I can't even no remember. Kidding. Well, we're glad everybody's uh, on board here. Wherever you're listening, Sportsnet 590, the fan, or subscribing on the podcast through iTunes and Spotify. And if you do, give us a rating and review. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, special hour today because we've got Adam Foote. We're going to speak of uh, some real history here. What a Couldn't find a better guest to kind of tee off Tampa Truly. Bay versus Colorado, right guys? Guy, guy who won cups with Colorado who has a son on Tampa Bay. We might have picked the right guest today, team. Nice work. Not only that, <laughs> but Sammy, um, correct me if I'm wrong, there's a, a 30 for 30 coming out here. Oh, oh baby. baby. That, <laughs> that, that will discuss the most vicious Stanley Cup series has to be in history. Has to oh, be. It was, it please was please find me another rival, Colorado versus Detroit, um, that that can compare. Because I don't I don't know if it exists, but we're gonna we're gonna get into that with Adam as well. 
I, I remember those games when I was a kid just being like outside of hockey almost like above the sport like being so excited you know just thinking like god the Leafs could never play in a game like this thinking that when I'm a kid like just like these two teams all the superstars the hatred I honestly feel like that's like the pinnacle of rivalry in hockey I don't remember there ever being more vicious rivalries than that I would that was something that was so exciting to me as a kid I can't wait to get foots taken can't wait to see that 30 for 30 that's going to be an all-timer yeah and speaking of Adam Foots. uh 2001 run uh we've got now two finalists on the blue line for the norris in headman and mccarr going head to head and we haven't we haven't seen that since a ray bork scott stevens as well so yeah think about oh, that, that for a far second. back eh? that far back two norris kind of horses face off in a Stanley Cup final. That's how rare it is. Wow. Yeah, that's fascinating. It's crazy too cuz you just had Vasilevsky uh, Shesterkin which was another monumental head-to-head battle. So the yeah, these are these are exciting series that Tampa Bay is going and, through right now. And very and and two different very different types of defensemen in terms of what they look like on the ice. It's very fascinating the the differences, right? Like one big sort of meandering guy that just floats around the ice and one yeah, he's sort a of foot smaller. taller than Makar. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And then the one sort of smaller, explosive, does everything. It's a very fascinating difference between the two of those guys. So that's going to be an interesting matchup. It is. So yesterday was uh, media availability. Yeah. I'm not sure how much we learned off of that except well maybe we did learn a lot because Injuries, of course, going into a Stanley Cup final is a huge factor. And there seems to be some optimism when it comes to one of Tampa Bay stars in Braden Point. And uh, we'll start off uh, a Kipper's Clipper with John Cooper on getting potentially his star back in the lineup. There's a chance. Um, We... Last series, you know, if it was going to go deep, we thought potentially, but we weren't going to push anything. It's all about how he feels. He felt pretty good today. We'll see how he responds tomorrow. Uh, But things are leaning towards him playing, and if it's not tomorrow, really anticipate game two, but we'll see how he is tomorrow. Game changer. Yeah, he's playing game one. Anytime your coach is that sure you're ready for game two and it's the playoffs, they're putting him game one. You know, you wonder, Kipper, my my first thought is, like, he is a game changer. He is, you know, Braden Point, when he's playing like Braden Point, is, is a game changer. You wonder if he's going to be, you know, coming off nursing an injury, a half a step slower, trying to find the pace of the game, and they're still going to use him like Braden Point and put him out there for 20-some minutes, I imagine. I wonder if he's not going to be much help for them for a couple games until he finds himself a little. Uh, yeah, it's... It's anyone's guess, to be honest with you. I, Point's one of those guys where now you just... He he falls under the whole Tampa Bay Lightning umbrella where you are just an idiot if you uh, underestimate any of these yeah. guys and their abilities to uh, rise above or show up when it's needed most. I would never um, give you know brush it aside that if, if Point's in the lineup, he... He won't be able to contribute, or right. you know, it'll be it'll be minimal. I, I think I think they they deserve more at this point with what they've been able to do. Uh, yeah, no pun no pun intended. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a fair point. It's just 
you know, you see people come back from injuries. We we assume it's a groin injury, I think, with Point. Has that been established, or am I making an assumption? I I, I don't know, to be honest with you. Yeah. I have not heard, uh, but certainly. Lower body. We're, we're, we're in the. I think we're in the uh, the knee groin area for sure. Yeah, okay. So that that's tough to come back from. We'll see how he looks early. I wonder if they will dress 12 forwards with point, knowing they're not sure what they could, you know, what sort of usage they'll get out of him. See, I don't agree with that. 11-7. No? JB, I, I don't agree with not not for you're game in or you're one. Out? Not for yeah. game one. If if you feel like you got to protect point in game one by dressing uh a, a you know, an extra D, right? Yeah. Or I'm sorry, an extra forward. An extra forward, yeah. An extra forward, then just wait it out. Because here's another one, guys. It's Wednesday, Saturday, if I'm not rec- uh, if, if I it stand is. corrected for game yeah, two. No, that's right. That's yeah. another. That's an. If he doesn't play tonight, that's another three days off. Take him. Yeah, I'm now don't, thinking you've got a great point. Don't don't push it. You, he's he's in for one reason. Because it's a uh, his health should be a non-factor for you, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I think. So, and so if, the, the only time you need to push him and you'll take him at 70 percent for me is game five, game six, game seven. That's not this is that's not early in the series for me. I just I looking at the because would you say that Braden Point is the Lightning's best player, second best player? Like, where would you rank him in, in their sort of forwards? In their so stars? hard when Vasilevsky yeah. and Hedman exist. Well, I guess and, I guess Kucherov. maybe forwards. Yeah. Well, their best forwards. Like, is he like in, he's in the top four guys on their team? I've, yeah, if I've had, if you're gonna list yes. us. I've had conversations with John Cooper in in the past. Yeah, and he's made it abundantly clear that Braden Point had been, you know, his his most important player. Yeah. So, so with, with having said that, it's ridiculous that they swept the President's Trophy <laughs> uh, winners, swept them, but they scored three goals, and then they beat the Rangers. Rangers. They yeah. won two series without one of their most important guys. It's just ridiculous the contributions that these guys get when other guys go to the lineup. The way that they get guys to step up, like they won their first cup without Stamkos, basically. It's ridiculous. Like it's That's one a great of the point. It's one of I know the, the Leafs didn't have Tavares team. against Montreal, and it was like, well, they didn't have Tavares, and it's like, well, Tampa's overcome a couple of yeah, hurdles that's along what I the mean. way. Too. Like, they just really have this natural ability to just bring guys up like from the bottom of their lineup that elevate their game. Like you think of Nick Paul, who's been stepping in for Braden Point's minutes and been so good. You think of Sraley Kalorn. It's just their depth is so so good. I will say one of the things that I feel gives Tampa an advantage over the Toronto Maple Leafs when you're looking at the rosters is like, I believe that Toronto has as many elite players as Tampa Bay, but they're all forwards. You know, like, you know, Tampa's best player is maybe Vasilevsky. It's maybe Hedman. It's maybe Pointer, Kucherov, or Stamkos. You know, the Leafs' best players are unequivocally forwards. And then it's Morgan Riley and Jack Campbell. You know, it's yeah. just not you, – you're not – you don't feel comfortable at every position the way Tampa Bay is able to. God, you didn't even mention, like, Ryan McDonough, one of the best shutdown guys now, right? I mean – Anthony Sorelli, the literal it just best goes, shutdown guy. It goes yeah. and goes and goes, which leads us to, outside a point, you still have many guys who are, are not full 
you know, their bellies aren't full. They want more. They're not, uh, they're not satisfied. And John Cooper spoke of that. Let's go to a, another Kipper's Clipper. Is it just enough that you got your name on the cup, you exhale, and it's okay, you get a few mulligans for the next couple of years? Uh, with our group, especially as our core has been together and how close we'd become and we'd come beforehand, uh, and to not be able to get there and now be here, we just thought, and, you know, the point that was, like, we have to want this. Like, we, we, we've worked so hard to build. Julian's built this team. Um, I coach this team. These players play, but we've just taken so much to get here. Why not keep going? And that's been a big theme for ours is putting our stamp in history. And you can't do that without winning and being committed and doing all the things and not exhaling. And, and I'll be honest, the guys have done a phenomenal job, especially in the Toronto series when we were down 3-2. When there are no tomorrows, um, they gave us two more months of tomorrows. He's just being greedy right now. Oh. <laughs> Share. That's we are great. in the participation era. Share. I I imagine, and this is my, uh, I don't know, I imagine it, it would be easier for these guys to get up, to motivate themselves, to be at their best at this point than it was when you're down against the Leafs. You know, it's the first round. If you yeah. get eliminated, it didn't work out. You had two cups and, you know, you came up against a good opponent, tough beans. Now you've come this far you're this close to one more. You might as well bang out that last rep on the bench press. Do that one last pull up. Like you've come this far. I gotta imagine they got one more push here, boys. I love that take, and I just think back to that game six in in uh, in Tampa where the Leafs scored the two goals right at the end of the second period, right? Where Tavares comes down and scores to make it 3-2. That quick spin in the game. You look, at the, you look at the bench of Tampa. They're all dejected. And I remember having this feeling like, holy crap, like, you finally broke these guys. And then, you know, they get an advantageous 5-on-3 uh, in the uh, third period, which I didn't have as much a problem as everybody else did. But they found a way to dig themselves out of that that hole. That was a hole. They were down in the series, down in the game, going into their last period of the, of the, of the season, potentially. And they just keep finding a way. It's a ridiculous team with so much. They just don't quit. It's, yeah. it's just hard to imagine not quitting the way they've done it. Well, which sets us up with should be a really good final if if we sat here way back when September and we said Tampa Bay versus Colorado you would have said yeah I see that I we literally did that. say that in the Sportsnet so, predictions there, there you <laughs> did go. you yeah wow you went, boy you seldom though when you go safe does it happen anymore right right no, that's uh, I was did a. You went like safe. Pre- you didn't. I you did. I went totally your, safe. You didn't. You didn't put your co- cojones on the line well, on I, that oh, one. I, heaven forbid, I'd be right. You know. Uh, <laughs> you know, the uh, I did the. Pre- oh, uh, for the record, you, you've gone Colorado and Tampa Bay for what five years in a row now. And it's always been a good decision. <laughs> it's always been a good pick. Um, actually, you you had you had Colorado Kipper. I think you your other pick was the Islanders. I went back no. and looked at it the other day. Oh yeah, maybe I did. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But you did yeah, have Colorado, then, I think. I had St. Louis. Uh, oh right, Tampa in the playoffs. I had them, but at the beginning right. of the year, I did have the Islanders. So I I talked to Bunkus uh, for their show this morning, and he said that 
two times in the last 20 years have top five teams met in the finals. So there's always been one team from outside of the top five. And for the record, that includes this year when Tampa Bay is not a top five team in the regular season. But uh, it's very rare for two top teams to end up in the finals together. This year, the consensus best two teams are in the final. What a delight. How fun is this? Well, speaking of, let's then give some uh, light to Colorado and Coach Bednar, who talked about yesterday not being any accident and uh, the things that they've absorbed over the last few years to get them to this point. Let's uh, let's have a listen to Bednar. Yeah, certainly a lot of lessons have been learned over the last five, six years from myself, from our team, uh, going through some uh, heartbreak in the playoffs even the last couple of years, I think has made us uh, a stronger group, a more resilient group, uh, a team that's been mentally tough for the um, bulk of the season and uh, I guess the biggest one it's, it's obvious but just having gone through it now um, just raising the bar and our standard of play constantly as the season goes on is, is probably the biggest thing you know we had to focus on um, you know what it would take to win come playoff time right from day one of training camps and it's really helped our group and it's cons- consistency. All right, listen, sounds like a nice enough guy. I'm just not sure how many Kippers Clippers he's going to lead with. <laughs> Didn't love his pace, eh? his energy. Well, Boys. <laughs> I, I, listened to, I listened to 13 minutes of him and Joe Sackett yesterday, and that was the best I could get. So they're not, they're not, they're not, they're not tipping their hand a whole lot. Like, they're really yeah. just, they're, both, they're hockey guys, those guys. Quit, they're, not, they're not exactly John Cooper. Let's just say that. Yeah, that's funny. They're, they're you know, no talking lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was looking at this uh, Colorado team. So I appreciate the idea about learning hard lessons. You know, you hope that the Toronto Maple Leafs have uh, have learned some along the way. Tampa apparently learned their hard lessons. My dad always says you have to learn how to lose before you learn how to win. Not even yeah. sure what that means. But it is a thing you hear people say. I know it is a thing, but sometimes it's an overrated thing too. Yeah. It is. It's And I get it. Um, and... There, there's there's a maturity factor here. So I believe in all of that, but when this series is over and Kemper wasn't good enough to go against Vasilevsky, that's not a lesson learned. That's just your goalie wasn't good enough. Yeah. And, and if if Point comes back and plays well and you, you had lost Kadri, what, what lesson did you learn from that? Like where where is the lesson learned there? There's no lesson learned. It's just you just your your lineup, you know, wasn't good enough. But being, being healthy and having good goaltending is good, right? In Colorado right now, it, I I keep hearing that Kadri will not be uh, available in this series. And, in this series, is, Kipper broke his thumb. Yeah, I know. But he broke his thumb. I know. Had had surgery on his thumb. Now. Uh, Andrew Cogliano uh, also had surgery on a, on a finger, but his, his was his uh, ring finger. Now, uh, think about holding a hockey stick and... Yeah, you can cut your ring finger off. A, a ring finger and, and your thumb. Yeah. So he's not going to play tonight. Kadri's not going to play tonight. And I don't know where the swelling goes down, but there's still swelling involved. And... Thinking about Kadri to come off of a, a surgery on his thumb, 
to to now being a, a player that can handle the puck, take face-offs, go head-to-head against the top six line and shoot the puck. He's a scoring threat, guys. He's, he's going to play a he's, kipper. He's a marvelous passer. You you think he's going to play? I, I don't think he's going to play right away for all the reasons you're saying. Like, I think he's... Um, you know, it's a broken thumb. You, every point you're making is super, super legit. I'm not t- trying to take away from it. But, like, if this is game six, we're talking about two weeks from now, right? Like, they play Wednesday, then Saturday. We're talking two weeks. Like, not that it's going to magically Wolverine heal, but how many Stanley Cup finals do you get to yeah, be in? No. Like, I get it. I get it. Uh, you're going to – I would imagine uh, it's just – how desperate will Colorado be to mm-hmm. to fill his void? And he, Cadre, uh, long term damage could he do by playing? I wonder. Fifty or Cadre at fifty percent or sixty percent is better than your your twenty fourth forward or your twenty fourth player on the roster. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I, listen, I, I I only speak from my experience or the things that I've watched over the years. I have no knowledge on whether or not he he'll he'll play you know, or not play. I'm yeah. just saying that I do believe that it's still a long shot to get the, him back in the lineup. The one thing I'm curious to see from this Colorado team, like I have no doubt that Nathan McKinnon is a horse and Landis Gog and Nachushkin, those guys can be difference makers. You like ranting in and, and a lot of those guys. I wonder if the guys at the bottom of Colorado's lineup can turn the tide a little bit and give them some advantage. You know, I know Maroon has had a great run and, you know, he's, he's had a lot of success. They got some veteran guys down there, eh? Like Cogliano and Helm and uh, Comfer and Abe Kubel. Yeah. Like, there's some pretty good hockey players at the bottom of yeah. Colorado's roster, too. Yeah. And Co- and Cogliano can go and kill penalties uh, with a broken ring finger. I, you know, I, right. to your point. Expectations I, you know, you are do, different. Like, his, his, the ability to skate and have... Uh, once one hand on the stick and take away uh, passing, passing lanes, lanes yeah. shooting that puck down 180 feet down the ice for, you know, to alleviate uh, power play pressure. Yeah, it seems to be a lot easier of a of a job description than what Kadri would have to do coming back to to help contribute. Yeah, that's true. That's a tough spot. Um, before we get to uh, Adam Foote, who I'm excited about. Do you want to hear Joe Sackick on the similarities to the Cup teams? Love it. Absolutely. All right, let's do that one. Yeah, 21 years ago, a long time. Uh, but uh, I, I think just depth. Uh, we had a lot of depth. Uh, uh, we, you know, we had the star players, uh, uh, deep deep lineup, uh, guys that played their role, knew their role, accepted their role. And uh, um, our back end, uh, you know, I mean, this, in my mind, this year's uh, uh, decor is, uh, you know, probably the best decor since that decor. So, a lot of similarities in that uh, in that way, and just the way we play. I think that year, uh, uh, really focused, um, really focused from losing uh, two straight Game Seven Conference Finals, and uh, had a mission uh, from the start to try and get home ice advantage. And it was similar, you know, with this group uh, from last year. Lots of depth. But I'm just also a guy named Patrick that, <laughs> Yeah, that helps. That decor he's talking about is just so stacked, right? You got that, it? Yeah, yeah. Rob Blake, Ray Bork, Adam <laughs> Foote, Greg DeVries, who I loved when I was a kid for some reason. Yeah. Uh, John Clem, 
You know, they just Martin Skula. They had great players yeah. in that decor. But like the top three, I mean, who else do you need? They could have had me out there on the <laughs> as a fourth pair. You got Rob Blake, Adam Foote, and uh, and Ray Bork. I mean, you're pretty set with those three. So they had a really, really great decor. And you're right, having uh, Patrick Watt between the pipes really, you know, that 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 helps you hide a lot of your warts too if you have them. Yeah. Wow. You know, I remember. Uh, I don't know whether it was a contract dispute or what with uh, Rob Blake out of L.A. and he was available and. For the life of me, I was, you know, we had conversations about the Leafs and Rob Blake and go get Rob Blake. <laughs> yeah. Why wouldn't they go get Rob Blake? And it was just one of those, when, when was the last time the Leafs had a, a, a chance at a guy like Rob Blake? So not many teams ever get a chance like, at a guy like you know, Rob Blake. Do you, do you want to hear the trade? Salming. Yeah, what is it? So uh, on February 1st, 20, uh, 2001, it was uh, Rob. Oh, we lost you, Sammy. We lost Sammy. I was trying to figure out my own situation. You good? No, he's gone. He gone. All right. See if, see if I. Wow, well, I was so, so excited to hear the trade. I know he took us right to the uh, right to the edge there. All right, I think I got it. All right, I got it. Colorado acquires Rob Blake and Stephen Reinprecht. Uh, going the other way was Adam Deadmarsh. Oh, I love Deadmarsh. Oh, Aaron yeah. Miller, a twenty or a first round pick, a first round pick, and a player to be named later. The two first rounders were thirtieth and twenty sixth overall, so not that high yeah. picks. You know, at, at the David Steckel, uh, one of them turned into actually. You know, yeah, it was Deadmarsh ended up being Steckel and Brian Boyle, Jared Allen. Uh, Adam Deadmarsh uh, played hard, boys. I don't remember him a, playing a game for the Kings. Was it over well, by the time he went there? I think he had suffered uh, concussions, and uh, I I don't know in terms of uh, how it ended. I can't remember. Yeah, but he, was uh, he did. He played three seasons. Player. Yeah, he did. Yeah, and three Aaron, seasons for the Kings. Never. Miller was points, a dependable right? defenseman too. Oh, never mind. He Miller. had sixty-two points one year. But the two first rounders. Yeah, that's a big price. That's a big price for an all-star defenseman. That, that uh, but paid off. Boy, did it pay off. No kidding. Yeah, but that. Uh, yeah, th- those are those are big deals. You wonder if the the Leafs would have looked like with a Rob Blake in the lineup. Boy, I just the 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 only thing missing, guys, is the questionable uh, uh, goaltending that Colorado will get this series. And you've got apparently Camper's a hundred percent. Even at a hundred percent, we'd be still questioning him. JD. Yeah, I know, right? It never, never been there. Um, is he capable now of closing this out? Does he not look two hundred feet away and say, "Okay, can I really be better than that guy? One save better than that guy?" You know, he wasn't uh, unbelievable last year, but Kemper was a nine twenty one save percentage for Colorado this year, and I know they were a great team and. You know, and, and won a lot of hockey games, and that helps. But if he can find a piece of what he looked like over the course of this season, he can at least keep them in it against a, and, and nullify one of these Tampa Bay edges. It's just it's tough to find a spot where you say Colorado has a clear edge. Colorado is better at this spot, you know, than the Tampa Bay Lightning for me. All right, as promised, uh, we're really excited about uh, this next guest. Uh, I can't think of a better guy to launch game one of a Stanley Cup final than uh, the legend.
Adam Foote, two-time Stanley Cup champion with the Avs, Olympic gold medalist, and now gets to relive it all over again with his son on the Tampa Bay Lightning. First of all, Adam, uh, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. And uh, how excited is your family right now? It's uh, it's kind of an odd feeling, to be honest with you. And thanks again. Good to see you or be on with you, you guys. It's been a while, Kipper. But um, yeah. you know, we're it's kind of it's quiet. We're quiet. It's uh, it's quiet around here. Let's put it that way. I mean, um, a lot of our friends are asking questions, and, and you know, I'd say a large percentage of them, percentage of them, just automatically think that Jen and I are going for the abs. <laughs> it just blows my mind. <laughs> like, the, you know, that's, they're so pumped up down here to have the abs back. Uh, you know, it's been a while. And um, and a rebuild in the cap era, Joe did a good job. He had to go to the basement. But, um, you know, it's it's just it's just real odd feeling for me, to be honest with you. I guess it'll change once I walk into the building, I'm sure. But uh, right now it just seems, uh, I don't know, maybe it's the nerves. Maybe I'm just being quiet. I don't know. Well, where are the nerves different as a parent and as someone that uh, has lived it uh, walking into the building as a player? Yeah, you know, well, it's, I don't know if it's a parent. Like, I mean, I was real nervous with when Cal played his first two. This year I haven't been as nervous after I saw his first few games. I knew he was ready. He, he grew into his body, his feet, and things like that. So I, I'm not as nervous that way. Hockey's hockey. You know, there's going to be – Guys are going to make great plays. There's going to be a mistake here and there. But um, I think a little bit of both. I mean, it's weird. Like if, if there's two teams I want to see in here, these are the two teams, right? And um, probably a little bit of both walking in, I would say, Kipper. Yeah, so do you find yourself then, I mean, the chance for your son to win a Stanley Cup like you did, uh, I imagine outweighs the allegiance to the Colorado Avalanche. Not to put you on the spot there. <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. I was yeah. laughing. I was laughing watching Mess uh, Mess Shade on ESPN. I, I got a chuckle out of, you know, he couldn't even help it, but but favor the Rangers, right? Which is normal. He won one there and played there, obviously. And yeah. then uh, the then Biz was absolutely over the top on TNT with Toronto. I can't even believe the producers allowed that. Like, settle <laughs> like, down. <laughs> um, but uh, talk handled them pretty well there. But, yeah, of course I am. I mean, like, you know, it's my son, and um, it doesn't matter where. If he was, I hate to say this, but if he was in a Red Wings jersey, I'd be voting for him, not the Red Wings. So. That's high drama. Are you uh, – go ahead there, Kipper. I see you no. wanted to follow up on that. Oh, okay. Well, then I want to ask you about that Red Wings thing because we talked about the oh, – uh... Yeah, yeah. But, but can I just talk uh, – can I – Stay with just the def- the defense core because earlier in the show we talked about uh, uh, the fact that uh, Makar is going to go against Headman and that that type of head on head firepower on the blue line hasn't been seen since your 2001 with Ray Bork and, and Scott Stevens and just that experience back then um, of the firepower and we were just talking about it before you came on air that blue line that you guys had. And uh, and and how it could compare on what we're about to see in Game One tonight, Adam? Yeah, I mean it's a great question. Um, uh, if Hedman plays, 
how he can play without trying to get points and opening it up. He'll be way more effective. When he'll strike when he has to strike instead of forcing it. Um, and I think if you look at the blue line, the you know they're big. They're I don't know what their average is over six three and over two twenty for sure. They're a big blue line. They can skate. They they play a way that um, when they're playing the right way, they're hard to break. You look at McDonough, Chernak. It goes on that list, and they're and they're tough. And um, you know they want to get it in the corners in their end and, and, and swarm you and, and and use their big bodies to get out. So um, I think. The D for for camp are deeper, um, uh, and I mean I don't think there's a D in the league that are as deep as them to be honest. And um, but when you're going back to when we played Jersey, uh, both teams were super deep. Uh, Jersey's defense and look at you, Danico White, big boys, Stevens, and then Niedermeyer flying around. I think Rafalski was young then. I'm, I'm, maybe he wasn't there at that time, but um, you know. So the big we had, I think I think Jersey's D was better. Than Colorado's D uh, now, I think McCarr's so dynamic, like McKinnon, that they when they're going, it's amazing to me to see how everyone plays at another level um, when those two are going. Uh, their speed, I think they're born with that, that fast twitch. I don't think you develop that, but I could be wrong. But <laughs> I'm sure there's their strength coaches are saying, no, no, I help with that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I think you're born with that. I think you're born with that, and. Uh, McCarr is so dynamic, but I was in shock how I couldn't believe my eyes when I was watching Edmonton over and over get him stopped by that, but then have their F1 right on top of the goal. I mean, he's going to tase every time. McKinnon's going wide and swooping behind the D. And just some basic details that weren't put in place or guys didn't know. Or I just couldn't believe how how easily they were getting through the neutral zone. I can't see that in this series unless the higher-end players of Tampa are loose with the puck, with no-look passes and getting over-creative. They tend to do that sometimes where their skill will come in and they'll try to do too much and get, get cute sometimes. But when they manage it, it's, it, they're definitely hard to play against. Adam, do you think there is – is there more value in, you know, for Cal in being around all these things you're talking about, the, these hard, hard defensemen and the veteran experience and the way these guys play – or is it more valuable to get to play more, um, more minutes and more situation? Obviously, a guy who's ready to play. What are your thoughts on sort of the experience he's getting on this unbelievable Tampa Bay team? Yeah, great. Like, that's a really good question because there's two ways to look at this. You go, okay, if he's not behind how deep these guys are, he'd get more. I think up until the halfway point of this year, I thought – but just by being, you know, a hockey guy, I, I know I, I know in my stomach he, he can do it. He's he's there um, to get more. And he's handled it really well. I've been, you know, I've been proud of him that way. I'm going, listen, for you to have a game the way you have and the next game you're not in the lineup and then come back and play uh, even at another level is a sign of maturity. And, um, you know, Kipro self-belief, right? Like, no one takes confidence away on those bad days. Don't get on that roller coaster. I've been proud of him that way. But I look at it like this. Like, he's a big guy, and he had he has really big feet. And he wasn't ready early. And everyone always asks me, go, if he didn't have Hedman and McDonough, all these star players, he could get more. And I said, you know what? He might not have made it. And I hope he doesn't hear this. But, like, think about it. If he does go in the expansion draft and, 
you know, unfortunately, Seattle's a weaker team, and a lot of those deer, minus two, minus one, minus three, minus four, have some right. bad nights, and right. you get stuck there. For him, where he's trying to catch up, his body catch up in strength and get a little quicker so he doesn't get beat wide, I think, or you start uh, on a weaker team, you know, uh, and you're in there too young and, and you're not ready and you get exposed. It could be the end of you early, and we've seen defensemen, you know, and you look at some young defensemen that get drafted to Toronto Maple Leafs over the years, and they, it doesn't work right away or they push them too fast. And then, um, you know, everyone's so hard on them and the confidence goes down. So I think it's been a really good for him to be there and have his time to grow. We're joined by two-time Stanley Cup champion Adam Foote. Adam, you know, Colorado's organization changed uh, on, on two trades, Rob Blake and Patrick Waugh. And when you guys went into series and you just knew that uh, the other goalie was looking 200 feet uh, and seeing a, a legend back there, um, it must have been, uh, you know, a huge advantage. Now uh, you look at Colorado and Joe Sackick talked uh, about the depth of the organization today and how comparable it is to 2001, but there is no Patrick Waugh. Does Colorado have to go in there and kind of be um, – you know, conscientious of the fact that Kemper does not have that cachet. Do they have to insulate him a little extra here until he maybe can can get on a roll here? But is it a disadvantage now for Colorado in, in net when he looks a- across and sees Vasilevsky, who isn't, you know, Patrick Y yet, but certainly is knocking on the door? Uh, um, well... Uh, you've got it. I don't want to say that the, the the organization changed from those two trades. They definitely changed, but it was the Lindros trade that was the biggest. But we were in Quebec, so you win this one, Kipper. I'm so happy, Lindros. I was drafted to Sue. He did second round. He goes first of all. He doesn't come. We get all those players, and we beat him. We go to the final, and then I was so happy again when I'm second round to Quebec, and he's first overall. We get all those players, Mike Ricci, and and uh, you know. Uh, Forsberg and Deadmarsh and all these guys. <laughs> and we went unbelievable. Like, but uh, yeah, I'm like that was fun. Uh, but <laughs> you know, you're right. But once you get once you get Blake and and Wa, when you had Wa and the goaltending to answer your question, no goalie. You know, they're always going to talk about can he do it until he actually has a cup, right? And um, I'm sure, I'm sure Wa went through it um, in Montreal, right, when he was a young goalie. And uh, Verdure, I'm sure, went through it. Until they won one, they weren't known or had the cachet, like you say. But I, I don't know this goalie well enough. Um, I, do, I run with Law for eight years, and I don't know. I, I don't. I just don't know goalies. That wasn't what I did. Or, but I, I think you're right. I think they're gonna collapse. They're gonna try to play tight in their end. You looked at when their backup went in against Edmonton, how much they collapsed, and they they tried to layer. I thought Bednar did a good job getting his D to layer or his forwards to layer and help out. Um, they're going to need that anyway. Whoever they have a net with that offense once they get rolling in the offensive zone, right? Um, but you know, you say Vassy. I've been watching for three years. This guy. I don't know. I I, I think he. I was my roommate and good friend eight years and Brodeur's friend, and I think this guy's got them. I mean, he's. I think he's that good. Wow, like, and I just said, and I, and I just said, I don't know goalies, eh? <laughs> yeah, that's a hell of a compliment, though. 
Yeah. Co- coming from you, that's a hell of a compliment. Yeah. His, I've watched every game, you know, for three years, that team, and his just his compete and how he gets across the net. Well, I don't know. It makes it look easy where you look at goalies and you hear these announcers in the playoffs, like this amazing save where, you know, Vassy gets there and it's, he makes some saves look incredibly easy. But uh, I don't know Kemper that well, though. He's a big boy, and, and uh, when he gets on a roll, I've heard that he's good. So, um, you know, I'm sure you'll see his best. We will. We will. Um, uh, the vibe in, in Colorado, you've been there long enough to, to feel like it uh, feels like uh, when, when you were winning championships? Yeah, well, the fans are definitely – yeah, they're they're pumped up. They're they're excited here, obviously, and um, their belief is deep. I mean, I, I people ask me who's going to win. I go, I don't know where this series is going. I you look at how driven um, it seems like Colorado's driven. They want it bad. I wouldn't have thought Tampa would even get here just because of the long two years, the one year in the bubble, and then winning in that in the hotel that long, and then you know, and then doing it again. It's just such a grind. I didn't. I think. I knew they had the team to get here, but you, you give that leadership and the coaching staff and obviously the GM picking up some pieces again. A lot of credit for, for being here again. Now that they're here, it's scary because there's nowhere to go. No one's going home early. So now it's another. It's, I always said if a team can get to the final, that's a whole different team. That's, you know, it's a grind to get there. You look at Jersey goes to the final, and actually not there, and then they win the thing. I mean, it's. It's hard to do this over and over and over because, as you know, the, the, the wear and tear in playoffs. So it's going to be an interesting series, I think. Footer, listen, I, I think we're running out of time here, uh, but we didn't even get into your your New Jersey uh, uh, 30 for 30 here. Can, can you come back? Uh, can we bring you back and uh, we'll also get into that as well? Are you okay with that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just give me a shout whenever, Kipper. And uh, ah, music to my ears. Thanks, Footer. <laughs> okay, guys, have a good one. See ya. Enjoy Thanks game so one. Appreciate Adam it. Foot, two-time Stanley Cup champion. We didn't get into the thirty-thirty guys, and we need to. So we're going to bring them back. Okay. Yeah, that's that's fine. I uh, I love. I I just I really enjoyed that. So much great insight from Adam Foot. Wow. Oh my gosh, it was it was fantastic and. Uh, what a compliment to Vasilevsky there, boys, when you're talking uh, Rodeur and Patrick Waugh. Amazing Adam points Foot. about his son, too, and like oh, the experience yeah. of like being behind these guys and how it's actually been better for him to have time to mature. Um, and I just I thought that was all very insightful. There was ahead, just, just before we get to just before we get to break, I've always remember being a kid and like watching that era of hockey when Adam Foote was dominant. And just, like, he was on the all-star list of guys I wish was on the Leafs. Like, I just always remember him being just <laughs> – no, like, just one of those – just the shutdown, gritty, the kind of D-man that you win with. He was he was on the 2002 Olympic team. I loved him there. He was just always – number 52, it always stuck out to me. He was one of those guys that you just always wished was on the Leafs. I just – what a guy. And you know what? what? His son interview. is legit. His son is legit. Yes. I think he's going to be yeah. a really good player. I really like him. Sammy, Nasty. it's unbelievable. It doesn't matter the conversation. You could always bring it back to the Leafs. It's what I do best, baby. All right, let's go to break. <laughs> when we come back, we'll talk about Bruce Cassidy, now the head coach of Vegas Golden Knights, and what does that mean to guys like Tortorella? That and more. 
After the break, Real Kipper and Born, show number 176. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Still plenty to get into here, guys, including what do we make of Bruce Cassidy going to the Vegas Golden Knights? And somehow, some way, Vegas always finds a way to make a splash. And this one, this one feels like it, but I'm just wondering now. Is this off of the fact that Barry Trotz said no? <clears throat> it doesn't appear like Bruce Cassidy would have been their their first choice all along. Obviously, we didn't know that Bruce would have been available up until what a week and a half ago. But I'm just I'm just wondering, uh, as we had thought. All along, this was really Barry Trotz's job if he wanted it, and I get the sense that he did not want it. Well, I wonder if there is some sense of looking at that Vegas team and being like, I'm not sure which direction they're going. Like, they just missed the playoffs. They seem to have an owner who is, uh, you know, got a bit of an itchy trigger finger here to do anything to win immediately. It doesn't seem like a comfy job to have, you know, expectations, a team that might not be good enough and a owner that's willing to fire anyone at any second. I don't blame Trotz necessarily. Yeah, um, I just, uh, which which leads a ton of speculation on where's the, the second domino going to fall now. Right. Uh, but, you know, Bruce Cassidy comes in with a very strong record out of Boston. Yeah, uh, but there was a sense that uh, he he grinded some guys down, and you just wonder now uh, with a team that has to win now. Like I I I I don't see any kind of grace period for Bruce Cassidy to come in and and build this team up in a in in two or three years. This is a, a team that Bruce has to get to win next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, your I'm point, fascinated JB, to see are, the Eichel thing. Are, are they, are they in a position now to do that? Is that lineup strong enough? Uh, to your point, Jack, Jack Eichel, can he, can he rebound now um, and have a, a great off season and come and be the dominant player they expect him to be? Where's their goaltending at? Right. Yeah. No. It's you, you know the. The is Bruce Cassidy going to walk into Vegas and be the guy to say to Jack Campbell, you can't, or sorry, to Jack Eichel, you can't play like this. You can't. We don't, we're not going to win if you play like this. I've watched Patrice Bergeron for the past decade be the best two way player in hockey and lead our team at center. Jack, that's you for us. Watch Mark Stone. Watch what he does out there. That's you for us. We need you to be those guys. Um, and there, you know, there's the potential for conflict there. I think that if someone is going to get Jack to play the way they need him to for Vegas to be special, uh, a fascinating position where you're expected to win immediately as a first-year coach there. So what does it feel like if you're the general manager of a team when you fire your coach and then they are immediately hired? 
Like I know you have to be sh- like you have to be sure in the decisions you make when you're making them. I know the time apparently had run out. There was a bit of we saw that story about a bit of uh, tension after he said he was okay after the media day or whatever. But if you're the general manager, if you're uh, Sweeney, you fire him, and there's all these coaches available, and then the first guy off the board is the guy you fired a week ago. That's got to make you feel pretty uneasy, no? Like, I know you got to be sure, but there is part of you that's like, oh, crap. They're, uh, they're, they're smart guys there, and they would understand the marketplace, and they would have known for sure that Bruce Cassidy would have been a hot commodity uh, outside of uh, the Boston Bruins. So mm-hmm. that that was not a surprise to them, Sammy. It it isn't. What they where their decision is based on is can a very good coach here still have a positive response on on our twenty four man roster here? And their their answer was no, that it's it's worn out. And if it was just one or two players I can understand, but if there's a, a, a if there's too many on my roster right now that are just tired of his message or are not responding to him anymore, then it's time for a change. And it's okay if he's a great coach somewhere else. He just wasn't the guy for our group any longer. And if you could, if you were speaking of one or two guys, that's different. But if you're speaking on. Uh, I'm not going to say a majority of the team, but a good portion of the team that have have lost confidence in the, in their coach or or stopped listening to the message. Then then that's where you have to make your tough decision on letting them go. Right. So Kipper, then uh, you talked about the next domino off the board and the message and losing teams and yada yada. Uh, what's this about John Tortorella? You hear a little bit. Well, that of noise was uh, Kevin Weeks had, had said that uh, Philly had uh, offered him the job, and I mean Kevin and and Torts worked together at ESPN, so you you assume it's coming from either Tortorella or someone really close there. Right. But uh, it it seems like uh, you know Chuck Fletcher has to make uh, another splash here, much like the Vegas. He's got to go to somebody. Uh, that uh, that has a uh, a solid reputation and can make some noise. Is that not Tortorella for you, JB? No, it's not, Kipper. Um, you know, I I you know I hear him talk on television about a lot of this stuff, and I'm not sure that he has the patience to put up with kids today and and communicate with them in an effective manner in a way. You know, I that I think works, and I think there's a a game that is evolving uh, statistically, um, you know, personality-wise, style-wise. You know, I think John Tortorella is a bright hockey mind, and probably a a lot of good things. But I don't know, Kipper. For me, for me, it would I just <laughs> I don't like it. What do you want me to say? Uh, I, yeah. I... I don't know if it'd be my first choice, but I, I think I'm safe with John Tortorella. I do. And the first word out of your mouth uh, dis- on that description was uh, uh, the patience. Mm-hmm. And everything's cyclical, right? It's like when you've had a guy that's been really patient, 
or a fan base that's really p patient, that's where Chuck Fletcher goes, I, I don't need a guy with patience. Now I need a guy to go in there and crack the whip. I need a guy that uh, demands, uh, you know, lack of patience. I want to win now. Hold I on, want though. them, right? That's, that's yeah. John Tortorella. He's going to go in there. He's going to crack the whip. He's going to make everybody uh, play on the right side of the puck. It may drive them nuts, uh, but he's not giving up four or five goals a night. No, fine. And, and okay, I, I, I get that. But, like, the Montreal Canadiens finished last in the NHL, and they hired a guy who's never coached in the league. And the idea is that he uh, is going to work with these guys and grow with them and mentor them and help this team grow. The Philadelphia Flyers didn't finish a, three points out of playoffs. They finished last in the Metro. They were minus 87 in goal differential. Oof. Are they ready for a guy like Torts to come push the, the 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 button every day all the way down? Here's the difference: is Kent Hughes, Jeff Gordon, hired a coach, and they gave him, I think, a three-year contract. Um, so they've got two or three years to build this thing up. Chuck Fletcher is trying to save his job. Easy, That's yeah. the so difference. That's the difference between hiring a, Mar uh, a Marty St. Louis and a John Tortorella. Like, totally. He, he's coming off of Alain Vigneault, another guy that was supposed to, you know, be a sure thing. So he's got to he's, – he's hiring coaches now to save his job and to, mm -hmm. to turn this thing yeah. around now – and I wonder if that's the best thing for the team in the big picture. Uh, I, I don't so know. I, I... We've, had, we've had Bundy, right? Chris Terrian, who's as honest as the yeah. day is long on his opinions of the Philadelphia Flyers. And uh, once upon a time, I signed my first professional contract with the Philadelphia Flyers. I have a real strong sense of that marketplace and, and yeah. where they stand in the – the, the big Philadelphia sports picture. And I can tell you right now, they are scared to death in Philadelphia about uh, fan base, ticket sales, loyalty, all of that. Yeah. And uh, they need it's to. It's a lean roster, thing. Kipper. They need to turn this thing right around immediately. Anyways, uh, we got to get out of here. Our hour is up. Sammy, start negotiating our two-hour show again, would you? I got uh, so much sure more to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe now that it's golf season. In October. We wait. We'll, In wait. October. we'll wait till yeah. October. Our thanks to Adam Foote, two-time Stanley Cup champion and now proud parent with his son, Cal, looking at a Stanley Cup final starting tonight. Enjoy the game. We're back tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Real Kipper and Bourne Show. Have a great night, everybody.